0: You know, people say that uh, religion and politics don't mix. Separate worlds don't go together. Certainly don't preach about politics, Pastor. I I go to church to to get away from all that. And even with just those few sentences, some of you are feeling really uncomfortable and anxious already right now. (laughs) Probably prepared to put up your your defenses. And while I, I agree that we shouldn't just blindly conflate Faith and, and politics, the truth is we 're all carrying this angst in us about how to navigate this season. We are I suspect most of us feel uh, feel shackled feel feel trapped in the current political climate i I suspect many of us are just flat out exhausted with the current political environment right now as we get closer and closer to the to the election. I suspect most of us have great anxiety about the election about. Uh, candidates about platforms. In many ways, uh, the current political uh, environment has be has become like the TV show Survivor, where it, it's about your particular party or, or platform, or um, your particular side—Democrat, liberal, conservative, whatever—surviving, and the others just being kicked off of the all the island. Only the ones who agree with us politically, who are in lockstep with um, ideology and platform can stay on the island. Everybody else has to get off, not just because they're wrong, but because they're bad, which is precisely why we need to look to our faith and to Jesus to help us navigate this time without losing our minds and our way. Because here's what I'm I'm starting to, I'm, I'm learning to believe more and more. And I hope you are too, or or you're at least least on your way. Jesus and his gospel speak to every single part of our lives, personal and corporate. And if it doesn't, and if he doesn't, then we're denying God's transformation in our lives and trusting in a really small gospel. Is, Is Jesus really Lord of all? That's precisely why in this sermon series we're going to be talking about how to survive this election over the next three weeks. This isn't going to be about uh, changing political parties. This isn't about critiquing parties or candidates. This isn't about withdrawing from the political process. Please go vote. But it is about living inside of a different paradigm. It's about thinking and living differently as those who follow Jesus so that we can faithfully navigate this election season, how to follow Jesus instead of losing our minds or our faith or our friends, how to witness to another way, how to move forward together instead of being pulled apart. And my hope, my hope is that, that we will be able to break free, that we would be liberated from feeling so trapped in our political bunkers, that we would gain a, a kingdom of God perspective on the political context and be reminded of our vocation as the church in the world Regardless of what political party or candidate is in charge. So today we're going to begin this series with episode one of Survivor Election Edition. Political Jesus and a Kingdom Allegiance. Let's pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there. Grow us, transform us, so that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. We pray in, in Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, scripture lessons this morning from two places: first from the Gospel of, of Mark, the beginning uh, with the first chapter, and and then in the Book of Acts. I invite you to listen for God's word. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, announcing. God good God's good news saying now is the time here comes God's kingdom change your hearts and lives and trust this good news and then from acts chapter 17 Paul and Silas journeyed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, and then came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he entered the synagogue and for three Sabbaths interacted with them on the basis of the scriptures. Through his interpretation of the scriptures, he demonstrated that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. He declared, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. Some were convinced and joined Paul and Silas, including a larger number of Greek God worshipers and quite a few prominent women. But the Jews became jealous and and brought along some thugs who were hanging out in the marketplace. They formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They attacked Jason's house, intending to bring Paul and Silas before the people. When they didn't find them, they dragged Jason and some believers before the city officials. They were shouting, These people who have been disturbing the peace throughout the empire have also come here. What is more, Jason has welcomed them into his home. Every one of them does what is contrary to Caesar's decrees by naming someone else as king, Jesus. This provoked the crowd and the city officials even more. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus was political. Political. There, I said it. We need to get that out of the way right away. We will never break free from the shackles of our current political climate. We will never be liberated from our oftentimes blind fidelity to party, ideology, or candidate if we cannot accept that truth. Jesus was political. It's right there from the start when he begins his ministry in Mark's gospel by saying, the kingdom... The kingdom of God has drawn near. Change your hearts and your lives and trust this good news. Virtually everything that Jesus said or did was political or carried political undertones. And just stay with me. I said political, not partisan. Political, not partisan. Because when we hear political now, we immediately jump to Partisan. And the root word for the word political or politics is simply the word polis, which means city or body of citizens. The word politics originated from a Greek word that simply referred to the ordering of a city or a body of citizens. It is in this sense that virtually everything Jesus said and did was political. He was focused on caring for, indeed rescuing and redeeming the polis, the body of citizens that he called his flock. And literally everything that he said or did was about a dramatic reordering of our hearts, our lives, our societies, indeed the whole world, in light of his life, death, and resurrection, in light of his kingdom. And part of our struggle to, to accept this truth comes from a, a couple of different directions. One, uh, first it comes from a, a misreading of Jesus' own words when he says, Render unto Caesar, Caesar the things that are Caesar." And render under God the things that are God's. See, preacher, it says right there, politics and faith are two separate worlds. Jesus wasn't political. Except what Jesus was doing was cleverly and powerfully uh, getting out of a trap set by the religious leaders. They asked him, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And if he answered yes, Jesus' fellow Jews, burdened by taxation and distrustful of Rome's power, We'll see him as a traitor and as a sellout. If he says, no, then Rome will see Jesus as an insurrectionist, a threat. So he says, give to Caesar's what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Except if you're in Caesar's camp, well, that would leave you a little bit unsettled. You mean there's something that belongs to God and not to the emperor? And if you were a Jew, this would make you think, wait, doesn't everything actually belong to God? So far from creating this stark separation of spiritual and political, Jesus forces the question back onto his examiners and to us. Who really rules the world? Who really rules the world? Whose world is it? Second, it comes from restricting a big gospel to a narrow version of good news Where our souls get to float away into heaven when we die. And in the meantime, like a spiritual yoga class, our faith can help find internal peace and help us escape the world's problems. But but let's actually look at the story of Jesus a moment. Consider his story. If someone claims to be the Lord of heaven and earth... To be the world's true king, bringing in a kingdom, and then that king and lord is willing in love to die to rescue and redeem his people, and then he's raised from the dead and tells his redeemed people to get to work in the world, and then he empowers them by sending his Holy Spirit. This is inherently political, not partisan. Political. If someone heals people who are socially outcasts and then uh, now says that they're to be fully included and welcomed in society, if someone prevents a death penalty by stoning from taking place, if someone preaches that the last will be first and the first will be last, if someone heals on the Sabbath, if someone welcomes and eats with tax collectors of the occupying nation, if someone constantly tells parables and teaches about an alternative kingdom, if someone uh, challenges the authority of the Pharisees and the religious elite, if someone defies expectations about a military defeat of Rome by riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, if someone is executed on a cross in an act reserved for political disruption, this is political. Not partisan. Political. Jesus was political. And pretending he wasn't, So that he doesn't have a say in our own politics, so that we don't have to worry about him interfering, is mighty convenient. This is important because when Jesus says, follow me, when Jesus invites people to be his disciples, he's inviting them to be a part of his work. He's inviting allegiance to him and his agenda, his political, in the sense that we just talked about it, ordering and reordering, kingdom agenda. You know the way of love, of truth, of justice, of concern for the least and the last and the lost and the broken and the poor. The the way of humility and selfless service. The way of loving neighbor. Confessing Jesus as Lord for the early Christians wasn't just letting Jesus into your heart. It was a political statement. It was a statement of where your primary allegiance fell and and how your life and the lives of, of others would look different because of it. Because if Jesus was Lord, that meant that Caesar was not. And Rome did not like that. The early church experienced firsthand what happened when their first allegiance was not to Caesar and Rome, but to Jesus and his kingdom. For the early church, following in the way of Jesus, living and ordering their lives in light of his life, death, and resurrection, this meant bumping up against the way that Rome wanted to order the world. How do we know this? We just read in Acts, right? About how Paul, Silas, Jason, other Christians were were dragged before Roman city officials. And those who who brought them were shouting, These people who have been disturbing the peace throughout the empire have also come here. Did you get that? Did you hear that? Christians are characterized as disturbing the peace of the empire. Why? Why? Because for them, following Jesus meant following him with every part of their lives. It was a faith that carried into the public sphere. They go on. Every one of them does what is contrary to Caesar's decrees because they they name someone else as king, Jesus. Jesus as Lord carries implications for every part of life. Because Jesus was political, there are political implications for following him. Things that shouldn't be partisan. Things that should transcend partisanship and tribalism. Jesus cared about the poor, the outcast, those who were hurting, those whose voices were not heard, those on the underside of power. Early Christians knew that Rome was not the bride of Christ, the church was. Jesus was Lord, not Caesar. The mission of Rome was not the mission of the church. The political agenda of the empire was not the political agenda of the kingdom of God. Similarly, for us, the United States is not the bride of Christ, the church is. Jesus is Lord, not a country or a party or a candidate. The mission of Of our country is not the same as the mission of the church and though every side wants a piece of Jesus (laughs) the agenda of a particular political party ideology or candidate is not synonymous with the agenda of the kingdom of God and friends this this actually should be good news for us like this should be liberating for us And it should challenge us. It's liberating because it should remind us that fundamentally we do not belong to a donkey or an elephant but to the lamb. It's liberating because it sets us free from this this pressure to have a fidelity, oftentimes blind fidelity to a particular political party, a, a particular candidate, platform, ideology. So many of us feel this pressure like we have to stay faithful to the Democrats or the Republicans or the left or the right. Friends, release that. Release that. It's liberating because it reminds us that if Jesus Christ is Lord, then that means he and his kingdom are what really last. Political parties, come and go. Are there any federalists or anti-federalists tuning in this morning? Candidates, come and go. You know who and what doesn't? Jesus, the kingdom of God, and Christ's priorities. We can place so much hope in a politician or platform that it displaces our hope in Jesus Christ and the kingdom that he came to bring. It's liberating because it reminds us that Jesus did not come to take partisan sides, he came to transform the world. Republican, Democrat, libertarian, liberal, conservative are simply too puny for Jesus and his kingdom agenda. Let me say that again. Jesus did not come to take partisan sides. He came to transform the world. And so Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, libertarian, whatever term you want, are too puny for Jesus and his kingdom agenda. Jesus is so much bigger than those labels, and we as his followers should be too as we engage and serve in love. Here's the challenging part. Here's the challenging part. Are we willing to be Jesus' followers first and Republican, Democrat, Libertarian second? Most of us would say, yeah, 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 of, cor- of course, of course. But our actions and words often say otherwise, especially when it looks a lot of times like we're, we're more passionate about and are laboring harder for our particular tribe than for Jesus and his kingdom. When we get defensive about... Bringing politics into faith, I wonder if what we're afraid of is less about bringing politics into the world of faith and more about being forced to filter our politics through the lens of faith and therefore being forced to question allegiances that we may have always just taken for granted. Because if we really did look at our politics through the filter of faith, we would discover Jesus creating space between us and our political ideologies, candidates, and platforms? What do we do when Jesus comes between us and our political party or ideology? Are we willing to evaluate our politics through the filter of faith rather than creating a version of faith that supports our politics? You know, it can be amazing how often God agrees with us. It's going to happen, friends. Your political ideology or or your party or your tribe bumps up against Jesus and his kingdom and his kingdom politics because no party or platform has it all right. So which will get modified first, get massaged? Are we willing to pledge allegiance to Jesus and his kingdom? Are we willing to pledge allegiance to Jesus in in the kingdom of God before our allegiance to country, party, person? Are we willing to therefore prioritize Jesus' kingdom agenda when we're engaging in the political process? Following Jesus in this season will require us to order our lives, not around the partisan polarization of politics, but around a constellation of values shaped by Jesus' teaching, his example, his death, it's resurrection our, co- our political convictions should not be stirred by, by those stoking our fears or tickling our ears instead we should be prayerfully considering what it means to follow Jesus and seek first his kingdom right now and then ask for God's strength God's courage God's wisdom to pursue it so as, as we move forward in this election season May we remember that Jesus came to reorder everything through his life, death, and resurrection. And because of that, may our biggest concern not be how we stay faithful to our political party or ideology or candidate, but how we stay faithful to the kingdom of God and King Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.